0: Pray. And then we'll get into the word this morning. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We praise you, Lord God, for your faithfulness. Lord, in the song that we just sang, great is your faithfulness. Great are you, Lord. Your promises stand, they're they're forever embedded in the word and embedded in our hearts, Lord God. And what you say to us we can trust in and have faith in. You are faithful. So, Father, I pray that you would speak again loud and clear through your word this morning that we could eliminate any distraction or discouragement from our hearts and our minds as we settle in and and listen to you. But more than that, Father, I pray that your word convicts our heart and encourages us to move forward in faith, Lord, as we bust in joyfully into a new year. Lord, may we keep our eyes and our mind focused upon you at all times. Lord, as we use this time as a, a refreshment, as... Uh, A way to look at the last year and reflect on it, but also look ahead to what lies before us. So, Father, may we make you our vision and our purpose moving forward from here on out. We love you, and we thank you for this morning and this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so you're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. And like I said, we're going to essentially cover the entire chapter today. Not verse by verse, but we're just going to use it as a launching point to talk about this idea of faith, forward-looking faith. And Lord willing, that'll become extremely clear to you uh, very, very soon. But I want to read the first seven verses together, and then we'll jump into the message this morning, okay? Read along with me. It'll be up here on the screen, also in front of you in your Bible or on your device. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So hopefully, at least in what we heard just in this opening portion of Hebrews 11, one word should come to the surface. One word that is expressed throughout this entire chapter, faith. So before we move on and move forward into this conversation, let's quickly define faith as it's even defined for us in verse 1. Remember, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is simply belief. It's trust. But it goes deeper than that. And I love this definition. It says the leaning of the entire human personality upon God or Jesus. In absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. What a great definition of faith. I want to read it again. The leaning of the entire human personality upon God or Jesus, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. It's a mindset. But I also believe it's not just an intellectual mindset. It goes deeper than that. And you've heard me talk about this time and again as as we've been studying together for the last year and a half or so. That what we take in here is eventually going to make its way down to our heart. And from our heart, that's what breeds action and emotion. Right. So yes, faith initially is intellectual property. But when we take that intellectual property and take it down to our heart and develop that relationship and understanding and trust and have faith in who God is, it should breed action and confidence and assurance that who we are and what we do is so important. So there is something we must take away from Hebrews 11, if not the entirety of the word of God, especially the gospel message. But for today in Hebrews 11, it's got to go deeper. There's something we got to take away. And it's this. There is a world of difference between saying that you have faith and living your faith. Hey, there's a big difference, a world of difference between saying you have faith and living your faith. And that's going to be the foundation of what we talk about today. We want to go from just saying we have faith. I believe in God. I trust God. I have faith in God. We could say that all day long, but how does our life in Christ represent what we believe? How is it manifesting itself in what we do and how we live our life? This is what it says in James chapter two, verses 14 through 17. What good is it? My brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And if you jump down to verse 26 in James chapter 2, it says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. When we talk about dead faith, again, let's bring some clarity to that and what that means. Dead in this circumstance means useless, lifeless, dormant, stagnant. It does nothing. What good is stagnant water that just sits there and isn't refreshed and renewed or is moved by any other force or wind or whatever else? It just becomes gross water. Stagnant, lukewarm, moss-ridden water that is. Not good for drinking. It's not good for anything. That's what faith is without living works behind it. But let me, again, I want to bring a moment of clarification. Because if you're watching this and you have faith in God and you are saved by God's grace, you understand what we're getting, what we're getting at and what we're going to get to. But you may be watching this and, and you're going, well, I thought Christianity, you didn't have to work yourself into salvation. You're absolutely right. And that's what I want to bring a point of clarity to, that we're not talking about working our way into salvation. We're not talking about living our faith just so we can get to heaven. That is not what we're talking about. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 makes this very clear. We are saved by grace through what? Faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. When we accept the free gift of salvation because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, that's salvation. When we cry out to Him and believe in Him and accept that gift, that's not a works based salvation. That's accepting something that somebody has given to you for free, says it right there. It's a free gift. So we're not talking about living your faith in order to become saved and get to heaven. We're talking about what you do in response to that amazing free gift of salvation that Jesus has presented to you. That's what we're talking about. Okay, I just want to make that very clear. We're talking about what God has saved us to do. Now, there are a couple of scriptures as of late that we've talked about in our study of the gospel of Mark and otherwise that one of the greatest responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus is the great commission. It's the great commission, which means it's a commandment, it's a purpose, and it's our great responsibility. It's found in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. It says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you." Did you hear that verse in light of what we're talking about? Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Do you hear the words in there, those action words, that when we accept Jesus and we follow him, he is now saying, okay, now you go, go make, go teach, go commission, go do likewise, go live your life as I have lived mine. And that's why this next verse I want to share with you, it's on the homepage of our website. It is a foundational principle to why we are Refuge City Church. And it's found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It's one of my life verses. It's one of my favorite verses, however you want to say that. 1 John 2, 6 says, Those who say they abide in Him ought to walk in the same manner as He walked. So what that's saying is, if we as Christians, if we say, I'm a follower of Jesus and I love him, I serve him, I am a Christian, then 1 John 2, 6 says, we ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. You hear the verbiage? Ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. So I always end with, when talking about that verse, what does that verse cause us to think about? Well, how did Jesus walk? And we we can look at his entire life as we did through the Gospel of Mark, but We're not going to get into all that again today, but that's what faith is. We move forward in faith, following Jesus, walking just as he walked to show the world what hope, love, grace, and salvation means. So a question I want to ask you today. What verbiage are you going to use to define your life in Christ? That's what we're talking about. What verbiage are you going to use to define your life in Christ? Because a lot of people will say, I've been saved. I don't really need to do anything except continue to live my life. And so that's the verbiage of sit, stay, hold on, take it easy, be comfortable. A lot of people will live their life that way, and that's their choice. That's the choice God gives us. But I think what I read in Scripture, and I read throughout Scripture, and this can be defined in a lifestyle in so many different ways, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I would rather use the verbiage of go, do, live, share, experience. All those words have so much to do with who we are in Christ and what we've been made to do. You know, I want to I remind us of a parable that Jesus told. It comes, it's found in Matthew chapter 25. It's called the parable of the talents. You don't need to turn there. I'm not going to read it. I'm not really going to get into it today. I'm just going to kind of sum it up for us as we move forward in today's message. But the parable of the talents basically is a master gives his property to a few of his servants. He gives them money, basically. Gives them talents, as it's said in Scripture. To one servant, he gives five talents. And to one, he gives two talents. And to another one, he gives one talent. And then the master goes and leaves and goes on a journey, leaving his servants in charge of his property and his money. And when he returns... He asks what his servants had done with what he had given them. And so the one who was given five talents comes forward and says, Master, here's your money back. I've made five more. Here's ten. The one who was given two talents comes forward and says, Master, here's your two talents, but I made you two more. So here's four. But then the one who was given one was afraid, he was too afraid to use what his master had given him. And so he went and dug a hole and hid it in the ground. And so when his master came to him and said, what did you do? And he said, well, master, I was afraid of you because I know the type of man that you are. And so I hid your talent. So here's your talent back. Now, what we pull from that story and that parable is this, that God, one, is our master. Two, we serve him. And he has blessed us and given us specific talents, gifts, treasures that we are not to just take and receive and set aside until he returns again. We cannot be like that one servant who's afraid of God and is so nervous that he goes and buries his talent and doesn't use anything and just presents himself before his master again and says, well, here, here, here you go. And I haven't done anything with it. That's not what God wants us to do. He gives us our talents, desires, skills, abilities for the purpose of furthering His kingdom, of expanding His kingdom, to go and make disciples, to show others how to live their life and who Jesus is. That's the purpose of what He gives us in who we are and what we are to do. You know, to the, to the two servants that doubled His money, You know what he said to them? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And what he said to the one who didn't do anything? He said, wicked servant. Wicked and slothful servant. So what we need to gather is that a Christian who is not faithful, who does nothing with his faith, in what he has been given by God, if he just holds on to it, I want you to understand that As Christians and what God has given us, his gift of salvation and our gift of life and purpose, it's not buried treasure. We don't age like fine wine. We can't just sit around and expect to multiply and do more for God's kingdom if we don't do anything with it. All we become is a dirty old coin that's useless. It means nothing in God's economy. And so we need to be aware of the fact that we have this life and the things that we go through and how we operate and what we focus on, our mind and our heart, is so important in light of that parable In what God desires us to do. He's given us things. And so He gives us things to use them. You know, a couple things that I've heard as I've read and studied over the years, and one of these by Warren Weersby, a great pastor, he says, Hearing God's word and talking about god's word can never substitute for doing god's word. And i think that's unfortunately what a lot of the church does today. The church generally speaking worldwide. We get so comfortable in our routine of church and sunday and the pews and chairs and music and refreshments and coffee and and all those things and and but we we just hear god's word. We talk about god's word, but We think that's sufficient enough to live our life, but we don't ever go out and do God's Word, except maybe to check off our service ticket once in a while. But it's not a lifestyle, and He wants us to live that lifestyle of doing His Word, being obedient to what He calls us to do. Somebody else by the name of William Barclay said, We are not saved by deeds, but we're saved for deeds. Again, we're saved by God's grace through faith to do what he calls us to do, to be obedient to that. So what we need to do and how we live our life is to, by our life, celebrate our life and what he's given us to do. We do that now. We don't wait. We don't wait for the future blessing of eternity. We don't just sit and wait for God to return. We have to be ready. And in the meantime, we've got to be prepared and go and do what he calls us to do to live out that great commission, to share the gospel, to share our testimony, to share the gift and the grace that he's given to us with others in whatever capacity that may look like for you. But here's what I want to get to the heart of today's message. The foundational principle in scripture that I think we need to grab onto is in the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> Don't try and find it right now. It'll be up on the screen. Habakkuk chapter two, verse four. It says, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. But the righteous shall live by faith. You know why that's such a, a great passage? And such an obscure hidden book in the Bible is because that verse is mentioned three other times in the New Testament. It's in Romans 1, it's in Galatians 3, and it's in Hebrews 10. The righteous shall live by faith. It doesn't say the righteous shall just say they have faith, but the righteous shall live by faith. So how do we go from just having faith or saying we have faith in God to actually living that faith? So we're going to get back to Hebrews right now. So you're in Hebrews 11. I want you to do me a favor and just turn back one chapter to the end of Hebrews chapter 10. It'll be up on the screen, but if you have it in front of you, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 and 36 says this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You have need of endurance. Why? We need to live in a way that honors the Lord by what we do to share the gospel in whatever capacity he has called us and with whatever talents he's given us. So right back to that parable, of the talents he gives each and every one of us a certain amount based on what he can trust us with, what he can give to us. Some may have be given more according to our eyes, Some may be given less. That doesn't demean what God has given to you. It means what he's given to you, he knows you can handle and knows you have the capacity to carry that out and do something with it. So why then are we pressed with the need of endurance? If we're not called to do and go and make and live and share, why would we need endurance? Why that call? You don't need endurance if you're not prepping to do something that's worthy of, of building up your endurance and in this case maybe not necessarily physical endurance but your spiritual endurance and that's kind of what we want to focus on for a moment so i want you to do me a favor you're in hebrews 10 now i want you to flip over to hebrews chapter 12 go to hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to look at the first two verses and how these go together hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 it says therefore every sin, everything that is going to keep you from slowing down spiritually as you head out to go and do and run this race that God has set before you with the gifts and talents that he's blessed you with. But we need that endurance. So are we not sure what that looks like for us? We need to spend some time in reflection then. You need to evaluate your life. You need to evaluate what you're doing with what God has given you. Because every individual is going to answer that a little bit differently. Scripture is very clear that we're not all meant to go on the mission field. We're not all meant to be behind the pulpit. We're not all meant to be teachers or lawyers or doctors or vets or you name it. It doesn't matter. God has called you to be you. So you need to evaluate what God has given to you and not compare it or set it up against what anybody else has or is doing. You evaluate your life in light of what God wants for you and is telling you to do and then act and then go. But again, the prime example is Jesus Christ. We spent so much time talking about the gospel of Mark and the life and ministry of Jesus. And you guys remember the the theme verse, the the central verse to that whole gospel, the whole life of Jesus Christ? Mark 10, 45, it's also found in Matthew 20, verse 28. It says, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He lived a life of service, action, going here and there, saving, providing, caring, loving, praying, whatever it was for the people that were put in front of him, all for the sake of salvation in the gospel message. So a few more reflective questions to add to your reflection of your life and what you're doing with your salvation that God has given you. These might be deep questions, but I want you to consider them. Number one, do you have reason to believe what you believe? Do you have reason to believe what you believe? You say you have faith. You say you believe in Jesus and you're following him. Why? What's the reason? What is before you to give you that understanding? Reflect on that. Question number two. What provides the non-believer? Anybody that's looking at you, observing you from a non-Christian or non-biblical perspective. What provides the non-believer an understanding of why you believe what you believe? So one, we need to know why we believe what we believe. But what is also going to be the representation to other people outside of church and outside of the word of God that's going to give them an understanding of why we believe what we believe. We can say the words, but we also need to be living that life that God has called us to because words and action is going to give everybody an understanding of who it is that that you believe in that is in charge of your life, that is giving you that gift of salvation. Question three, if you are truly living and celebrating now the expectation of your future hope, what does that look like? What does it look like? Again, please understand, I'm not asking every single individual that you need to become this deep-rooted, deep-thinking, critical, theologian-type individual. You don't need to become a monk that just walks around and, and hymns and reads the Word of God all day long. We need to read the Word of God. But you don't separate yourself from society to do so. But you keep the Word of God in front of you. God's answers are right here in front of you. So when we view Him, when we say we follow Him and, and, and put our eyes on Him expectantly as our a perfect example of faith, He's right here. So how are you celebrating now your future hope? What does that look like? So let's get back to Hebrews 11. (laughs) We said we were going to be in Hebrews 11. Now we're there. We define faith and what it is. Asking ourselves to reflect on the faith that we say we have. Why we need that spiritual endurance to continue on in this life. Now let's look at some other examples and why Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Fame or Hall of Faith, so many examples throughout Hebrews 11, and I'm going to go through them very very quickly. We we mentioned some of them in our opening passage, and we're going to kind of rip through the rest of the chapter right now. I don't expect you to read. We're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to mention things very quickly, and in time in your reflection in your study, I want you to go back and slowly carefully read through the rest of this chapter. Well, let's take a look at it. Number one, faith is used 25 times according to the ESV version, in just 40 verses. So 25 times the word faith is used. The faith that we defined earlier. So what's the point? One, God doesn't want us just to know the definition of the word, does he? He wants us to know how to live out that faith and has given us examples of what that may look like. So one, in verse 4, By faith Abel offered What we know of the life of Abel is he simply offered God the appropriate sacrifice that God called him to. He was obedient and he offered a sacrifice. Faith has to inspire our worship. Faith has to inspire what it is that we do and how we live our life. In verse five, by faith, Enoch pleased God. We know from scripture that Enoch lived 365 years. And in that 365 years, he pleased God in how he lived his life. So much so that Enoch did not see death. God just simply took him up to heaven as he was walking with God. We're going to skip verse 6 because we're going to come back to that. In verse 7, by faith, Noah constructed. We know that famous story. Simply by obedience and what God told him to do, he constructed an ark even though there was no true physical understanding of what that was really going to look like and why he had to do it. But he just was obedient to God's word to say, yes, God, to do something that the rest of the world looked at him and thought, you are crazy. In verses 8 through 10 and 17 through 19 in Hebrews 11, we read about Abraham. Abraham's faith is, again, like uh, like Noah, that Abraham, he went out, he offered, and he obeyed. That's what his living faith really amounted to. He went out, he offered, and he obeyed. Abraham's faith accepted God's promises and acted on them, even though there was nothing to indicate that any of that was going to be fulfilled. Did you hear that? Abraham acted on the promises and word of God even though there was zero indication that any of those promises would be fulfilled in Abraham's life. That's powerful faith. To go and do what God calls you to do, even though he may not give you the answers. And so as we're on the cusp of a new year, we cannot wait with anticipation for midnight, January 1st, so we can finally say 2020 is behind us. 2020 is in the rearview mirror but is there any indication that 2021 is going to be better? Is there any indication that 2021 is going to be the best year ever just because this year is behind us? Is there any indication that 2021 is going to be worse than 2020? No, we don't have those answers because we don't know that future. All we're called to do is to continue to obey and go and do what God has asked us and called us and commissioned us to do regardless of the world's circumstances. In verse 11, by faith, Sarah believed and conceived. (laughs) That's it. She believed in what God told her, that even in her old age, she would conceive and bear a child. And we saw the same with Elizabeth and with Mary, the mother of Jesus. They believed, accepted that gift, accepted that word, and God provided and did the impossible. In verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked blessings. In verse 21, Jacob blessed and worshipped. In verse 22, Joseph instructed. In verses 23 through 28, Moses refused riches, became enslaved, and then exited. All out of obedience to what God called them to do. In verse 29, by faith, the Israelites crossed. That's all they had to do. God parted the way. God did the impossible. All they had to do was, by faith, follow and go and cross that Red Sea, and they were saved. In verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell because the people marched again. Obedience. Verse 31, by faith, Rahab believed and welcomed people into her home. In verses 32 through 34, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the other prophets, now listen to what they did. They conquered, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched fire. They escaped the sword. They were strengthened and made mighty and defeated their enemies. Because they had faith. Because they listened to the word of God and did what God called them to do. But again, at the heart of all these examples of living faith is the willingness to obey and the willingness to continue to seek God. So that takes us back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We need to continue to seek God. Build that faith. Increase our trust. Increase our intellectual commitment and faith in who he is so that by our relationship with him, we go and do. Because we're obedient and say yes And we're constantly keeping him in front of us. So let me ask you another question. Because a lot of us look at all these examples in scripture and go, that's not me. (laughs) I'm not made for that. That's not who I am. Those are the greats of scripture. Those are the greats in God's hall of faith. Moses and Abraham and and Jacob and and all these guys, they're they're the, the wonders They're on the pedestal of faith. That's not me. I can't achieve that level of faithful success. Yes, you can. Because the moment you say, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable enough, that's not me. You're destroying your faith in the God who can do the impossible through the most obscure people on the planet. Because that's all those people were until they said yes to God and continued to move forward. So I'm going to quote the great Theologian, Russell Crowe. That's a joke. There's only one person laughing in this room because my jokes are horrible. Hopefully you're laughing. I can't see your face, but I know you are. (laughs) No, here's what Russell Crowe, in his role as the gladiator, great movie. This is what he said in his role as the gladiator. He says, I may die in this cell tonight or in the arena tomorrow. I am a slave. What possible difference can I make? It's a powerful line, right? He was once this powerful warrior, well-respected man, and then sold into slavery. He says, what possible difference can I make? I'm a slave. Isn't that who we are? Weren't we in our body and our blood bought with the blood of Jesus Christ? We belong to him. We are his servants. We're his doulos bondservant slaves. What possible difference can we make? You just need to say yes to Jesus. What does scripture tell us in Psalm sixteen, eight through 9? Tis I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In verse 11, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We need to keep God before us. He's promised us eternal glory. He's promised us riches. He's promised us other gifts and crowns in glory. Is that what we're seeking? Or are we seeking what we can get from mankind? The here and now. I'm going to use one more quote from Russell Crowe or his character, Maximus Decimus Meridius, as he was called. He said to his soldiers in the beginning of the movie, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. I know that's not biblical necessarily by the term or the the phrase in a movie, but it's, it's actually true. That what we do here now with the gifts God has given us, there are going to be blessings galore in heaven. I've got a good friend of mine that always says that to me. Blessings galore to you. And I know you're watching. I know who you are. That's a great word. And that's what God has for us in eternity. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And in like fashion, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. They're fleeting. They're momentary. But to the things that are unseen are eternal. So yeah. 2020 was a horrible year. 2021, Lord willing, is going to be better. It may be the same. It may be worse. But our mindset in faith in Christ is that doesn't matter what may come. What matters is that our heart, our mind, our eyes, our ears are on Jesus Christ. Moving forward in what he calls us to do, no matter what. In Jeremiah 15, verse 11 says, God has set you free for the purposes of good. God has set you free for the purposes of good. How are you living your faith for the good and welfare of others? So what are we going to do with the talents he's handed you? We could easily enough, we just got through Christmas. And By the way, maybe ask your kids, did any one of your kids, did anybody, you or maybe anybody else, did you witness, accept a gift and then not open it? That would be ridiculous. That would be silly. Everybody opens their presents. If you're given something, you open it. You don't just take a wrapped gift and say thank you and go and set it in the corner. That's pointless. So the idea is he's given us the gift of salvation. So we have to unwrap that gift, dive into scripture, lean on him, hear his voice, and then act on what that gift is, what he calls us to do. Do any of you make resolutions? Anybody make resolutions in the new year or planning to? It's amazing because we we often do that with maybe a new weight loss goal or I'm going to do this in the new year. or I'm going to accomplish this or that, whatever it might be. But scripture actually speaks to resolutions. And so as we're leaving this past year and we're going to move forward into a new year, let me give you an insight in what can be our focus as we move forward. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses 11 and 12 says to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve. Sound like a resolution? It's because it is in that, in that instance, resolve means any decision, any action, any commitment, any resolution you make. I'm going to read it again. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's everything. So whatever you set out to do, whatever you're thinking about for 2021, whatever you're going to leave behind, whatever you're going to reflect on as you move forward in faith in Jesus Christ, that's your resolve. That His glory would be manifested and fulfilled in you. That you pursue righteousness, that you pursue Him. And in everything that you can muster inside you, whatever He's given to you, just say yes to His calling. And go and do and act, and ultimately live. Because as we started out by saying in James chapter 2, if faith without works is dead, then it's time to live. So I know we've had a rough go. We've had a rough time. Take away COVID. Take it all away. Never existed. You may still have had a rough year. Because we know a lot that are dealing with a lot of stuff. A lot of people are dealing with a lot of physical ailments, disease, cancer, a lot of people may be dealing with a lot of economic hardships, job loss, or whatever it might be because of the season we're in, where you insert into the blank, whatever it is that you've experienced, COVID or not, is that what are we going to do from here on out? That's the challenge. That's the purpose in this call and this message today that God wants to give to you. How are you going to move forward in faith, complete trust? In who He is and what He's given you to do. If you have any questions, I, or I don't know how to figure out my calling, I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know how to consider that, or I've, I've been in my job now for 20, 30, 40 years, how can I make a change now? Well, if God calls you to it, then we need to figure out what that is. But please ask. Please consider it. And we'll continue to live this life together together in this community that we we call Refuge City Church. Amen? All right. I want to pray. I'm going to open with a short prayer that I believe is is important. It was written uh, probably about 400 years ago. So I've modernized the the English a little bit to make sense. But let's pray, and we'll, we'll close out our time together this morning. Lord, fan this divine spark into a glowing flame. When faith sleeps, my heart becomes an unclean thing, the fountain of every repulsive desire, the cage of unclean lusts that's trying to escape, the poisonous tree of deadly fruit, the open wayside of earthly weeds. Lord, awaken my faith to put forth its strength until all heaven fills my soul and all impurity is cast out.